What is going on, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Birdie, the business freelance writer here. In this episode, we're going to talk about building your entrepreneurial ambition. How do we go after big milestones, make them happen, and always strive to go for more in a healthy way? We are joined by a guest who has had quite an entrepreneurial career. He started as an early employee at Amazon. He worked directly under Jeff Bezos and led the R&D arm of Amazon's data mining and personalization team. He co-founded Redfin, now a multi-billion dollar company, and also founded Rich Relevance, a company that offers personalized shopping experiences for large retail brands like Macy's, Barney's New York, Office Depot, and many others. He is now inventing the next big thing in home security. We'll talk about that, his entrepreneurial ambition, and how you can go after your goals and pursue your entrepreneurial journey. Our guest who joins us is none other than David Selinger. David, welcome to the show. Mark, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. David, it is such a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success. And entrepreneurs, we think of so many different ideas. Sometimes it feels like we get overwhelmed in it. And I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about your new project and how you decided to go on that path instead of the many others you could have taken. Sure. So, I mean, let me start by just telling you a little bit about Deep Sentinel, and then I'll kind of go into the backdrop of how I how I ended up there. So, Deep Sentinel, as as you mentioned, it's a physical security business. We protect homes, we protect businesses, and the the thing that we do that's unique is we actually stop crimes once people have decided to start them. So, for example, and it's camera based, it's got AI, and it's got live guards all tied together. So, what that does is. If, for example, you came to my house with the intent of breaking in the front door, it's the second you walk onto the property, our cameras start monitoring and feeding that feed to an artificial intelligence. If that artificial intelligence decides that you're doing something suspicious, it sends that video to a live guard. The job of that live guard within five to 10 seconds is to intervene and stop that crime. So you, you walk up to my property, you've got a hoodie on, you've got your face covered, you've got a crowbar in your hand, and you come up to the front door. Within about five seconds, you're going to hear, hey, this is Deep Sentinel Security. I need you to stop doing what you're doing. The police are on their way. There's three really important things that happen there. Number one, you're getting notified really early of the crime. Number two, you're probably pretty startled because most of the time you're dealing with like Ring or Nest cameras, and they just sit there and record you while you break into people's homes, which is nice because you've got a mask on. Nothing's going to happen. But number three, they told you that the police are on their way. And that's kind of a linchpin here because that's not just a claim. That's a fact. Within 10 to 15 seconds, we are already calling the police, notifying them that there is a crime in progress and there's an officer being dispatched to your location. So what that does, and it results in net-net, is when I say we stop crimes, what I mean is we stop crimes. We do the thing that when you buy a ring or a nest that you imagine like, yeah, I'll just stay up all night long and watch my cameras and if anything happens, I'll stop them. 99.99999% of the time, that don't happen. That's what we do. We fill in that gap. How I got there is, and that's obviously an important problem, right? Like you buy security cameras to provide security. So that's what I like to say. When I really want to dig at the bat, the other guys, I go, we're the only security cameras that actually do our jobs. And unfortunately, that's true. We literally are the only security cameras that do our jobs. How I got there, my background's in AI. So my, as you mentioned, I, I got a chance to run the first AI team 
on the R&D side at Amazon. That was just a ridiculously awesome experience. Happy to talk about that if you'd like. Uh, Redfin was a data and AI company and still is. Rich Relevance is a data and AI company. And with this last company, the critical thing I wanted to do is I wanted to solve two things with, with the next step in my entrepreneurial journey. I spent about a year and a half, almost two years, looking at what could I do next? What are the neat things happening in AI? And I really wanted to focus on, like I said, three things. One, I wanted it to be in artificial intelligence. I wanted it to be at the bleeding edge of a new technology. Number two, I wanted to solve a problem that freaking mattered, right? Like I wanted to solve a problem that if you do it and you succeed, you change the course in a way that someone else wasn't going to do. It wasn't obvious that this was going to happen. It needed that extra oomph, that grit, that entrepreneurial energy to change the course. And then number three, I wanted it to be something that was harder than, than the average entrepreneur's journey because I've had the, the benefit of having success and having the flexibility to kind of choose what I needed to do. I've had enough financial success that I didn't really need to do something next. I wanted it to be something that was a legacy, that was hard, that when I look back with my kids, they are proud of what we accomplished. So those are the things that kind of brought me to this. I mean, that security feature is really useful just hearing about it. I mean, having an immediate call to the police instead of someone looking at the security camera and hoping they catch someone, that is game-changing technology. What goes into producing game-changing technology? Because it's not like you could have the concept, but then the actual implementation is very different. Actually doing. I mean, in the case of this business, let me just start out by saying Deep Sentinel is by an arm and a leg, the most complex and difficult business I've ever run. And it's because the interface between technology and human beings is so complex and so rich in its interaction. And so your question about like what goes into that technology is at the heart of, of what we built. And the, the way that we have done that is, is with the willingness to do experiments that have dramatic failures. So we've been able to test lots of different ways of making that technology work, number one, number, and, and those, those ways being open to failure. Then number two is to look at those failures as inputs in terms of how we get to our ultimate goal, stopping crimes. And then the third is having the wherewithal, having, having the grit, having the, the perseverance that it took us five years, four years really to build a working product that has product market fit, that's scaling rapidly, that has great gross margins and and profitability prospects. And to combine all of those was really the key to this one. You know, just just not stopping it. Here's my idea. I'm going to try one thing. And if it fails, I'm going to run away. It's We had to do, my gosh, dozens of experiments of which the vast majority of them failed miserably. And to be willing to do that, to, to stay committed to that vision, really required that, that we started with a vision that was, be, that was worth being committed to, right? Like there's a, a, a quote from, I think it's Jim Carrey, right? Jim Carrey said his dad recommended that he take a safe career and he still failed. And so Jim Carrey's advice was pick something that you love so that you don't ever fail at something that you hate. If you fail, you're failing in pursuit of something that you truly love. And that was really the guiding principle at Deep Sentinel was to pick something that everyone in this team is so 
mission oriented, that every failure we can absorb because we know it's on the path to this great outcome. And the entrepreneurial ambition, it's easier to go down that path if you're doing something you enjoy. So David picked something he enjoyed, he knew it was going to make a difference once he saw the implementation. And you have that mentality going into a project, it's easier to see it to completion. It's easier to go through the obstacles that you'll face along the way and end up with a great product. Now, one of the things I love about entrepreneurial ambition is that it knows no bounds. So David, like the fact that you're with Amazon early, the fact that you founded Redfin, the fact that you've done all these things, you could just walk away. What inspires you to keep going when some people may just throw in the towel and live on what they've done? Well, I mean, look, I'm going to answer in a very material way, right? A tactical way. This isn't a theoretical question. COVID was really horrible to some companies and great to a few companies, right? And we were not one of those companies that COVID was great to. We got crushed in the first two quarters of the pandemic. I mean, just absolutely crushed. Everything from our supply chain to our operations to our sales, everything had to change. And the thing that keeps me going is the the commitment to doing something that matters. Finding a project or a business or a product or a service that means enough to you personally that you can be committed to it in that darkest of moments was really, it was way more important to me than I thought it was going to be. And so when we hit that rock bottom, I mean, the motivation to me, I remember this one day I came home, or I didn't come home, I came down from my office. My, my office is on our, our kind of upper story of our house over away from where the kids are. So I'm pretty segregated from the family. Uh, and then we have the classroom downstairs. And so I would come down at dinner and I came downstairs and my younger daughter, Cecilia, she said, Daddy, how was your day? And I said, you know, it was it was pretty freaking horrible. And uh, yeah, my kids got exposed to bad language during the pandemic too. I, I, I usually am pretty good about shielding them from that, but the pandemic peeled that one back. And she said, you know, but Daddy, can you tell me something? Did you save anyone's life today? I was just like, dang, you know what? The coolest thing about this company is that the answer to that question is yes, right? In my worst day, in the day when everything was going sideways and everything sucked and and it was just horrible, the answer to that question, did I save anyone's life, was yes. And that's pretty, pretty darn amazing. And again, like one of the unique things about this business is not only did we save someone's life, like there isn't a next best alternative. If you want this type of security, like real security around your business or around your home, you can get deep sentinel or you can get everything else. There isn't like a number two. The next best thing is you call ADT and you install an alarm, which a lot of people don't realize when an alarm goes off, A, it only goes off after someone's broken in. B, it only goes off if you've armed it, which most people don't do in their home or at all. And then C, even when it is armed, here's the hugest secret. ADT may take up to five minutes to respond to it. And then after they do, when they call the police, their false alarm rate with police departments is like 95 to 99%. Those are the numbers that were verified by the guys at Freakonomics. 95 to 99%. So, so asking if your cop buddies, like, hey, when an alarm goes off, what do you think is going to happen? He says, look, most police departments in the United States are not required to respond to an alarm. 
period, full stop, not required at all. In fact, they've passed laws that state they don't have to respond to them because it's 95 to 99% false alarm. That's a waste of our officer's time. Number two, most of the time when they show up, they just expect it to be the alarms going off and it's some sort of a false alarm. In fact, I was actually out last summer. I was out in my, my driveway and my neighbor's alarm started going off. And it was going off for an hour and a half. And finally, the community, the community officers, this is an unsworn officer, shows up. And I was like, hey, I recognized her because we work with our police department a lot. How you doing? She's like, hey, you noticed your neighbor's alarm's going off. And I was like, yeah, it's been going off for a while. She's like, do you know how to turn it off? She didn't ask, is there a crime going on? She didn't ask, did you see anything suspicious? Her very first ask was like, can you just turn it off? Because we're getting noise complaints from the neighbors. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's your next best alternative. So so again, sorry, to answer your question, like what keeps me going is that I picked something where our customers don't have a next best alternative. We are really changing the lives for customers. We're making them safer. And that's, that's really meaningful. And so again, the, the other thing I would really recommend is do something not only that you believe in, but that you know your customers believe in. If it's you know something like, hey, I'm the best HVAC service person in the area, it's a different business. If that's what you're passionate about and your customers really need good service and you do a great job at that, that's awesome, right? But do something where you're able to, to really believe in what you do at some sort of a really meaningful way. And just having that big mission drive is so important. I mean, we hear David talking and you know that he cares very much about the concept. Like it goes beyond just trying to make money, trying to make a real difference and solving a problem. That is what entrepreneurship is all about. You see a problem, you go out and solve it. It doesn't always have to be this game-changing idea. It could be something as simple as someone needs content and you're the one who provides it for them. Or it could be someone needs help with their social media you're the one who provides that for them. But you being a solution to someone else's problem is at the core of entrepreneurship and being able to achieve your goals. I agree. I mean, this last year, we've, we've had a stagnation, right? Like the great resignation of, of people and in, in, in their jobs. And I think when I look at the reason people are leaving their jobs and they're making changes is because work matters, right? The work that you do matters. It helps you define who you are. It shouldn't define you entirely. Let's just let's just be clear. Like my number one definition for myself is that I'm a dad, right? And my my two little girls define my life. But right after that, how I spend my time, one of the key things that I teach my kids is, yeah, I could be not working. And then I'm going to be teaching my kids that it's okay to grow up and be lazy. What my kids see is, they see their dad wake up at six o'clock every morning and work late every night. I still sit down and have dinner with them every day. But work is important because it defines my relationship with my, the world around me. It defines the relationship with me and my customers. It defines my contributions to them and, and the next generation. So work is so critically important in so many ways for us as a society that making sure that you're doing something that you're passionate about and that, that does provide that value, man, it's, it's, I cannot understate the importance of picking, you know, your very first question, picking the right thing and then just putting your shoulder into it. Work, it's going to make up for a lot of people, 33% of their lives and actually a larger percentage if you 
exclude the amount of hours we sleep because yeah, right. <laughs> amount of like keep like we have this uh, eight hour work, eight hour play, eight hour sleep uh, based on the industrial revolution, but that's where it came from. But if we look at that model, 50% of your waking hours are spent on working and you're going to think about work when you're not working a little bit. And that's a lot of time to think about something you're very passionate about or something that you dread. So it makes sense. A lot of people are looking at new opportunities for work and testing the entrepreneurial waters because that's where a lot of fulfillment resides. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a ton of, if we look at this last two years, one of the the great outcomes of this pandemic is that it peeled back a whole lot of holes in a lot of industries, whether that's making uh, health protective equipment, masks, making uh, manufacturing parts in the United States. There's all kinds of opportunities that were maybe there, but not as visible. They were maybe there, but maybe didn't have the support from society to go pursue. If you are kind of trying to figure out where's your entrepreneurial itch, looking around and just seeing all of the different challenges that got presented to us as a society, each of those challenges in its core is one or more opportunities. I, I was watching the growth. There was a, there's a company in Arkansas that makes their own N95 masks. They're manufactured in the US. They have their own factory in the US. And I watched how they kind of capitalized on the surging demand. And what I saw that was interesting, though, is I also didn't see them telling the big story, which I think is, here's how we fit into America, not just made in America, but here's how we think what we're doing is an example of industries in America. Like, I would love to have that CEO talking on on podcasts. I'd love to have that CEO inspiring Americans to go back to a lot of our roots in these small, medium-sized, family-owned businesses that are making stuff that we buy. So we're not importing so much. And it's hard work, right? But I think that one of the things that we're seeing as a country is that as a country, that mission of making stuff at home couldn't be more important. I mean, there's a lot of different areas that there are a lot of different issues that need fixing. And if you can create a company, a concept or offer a service that solves that issue, you're going to have a lot of fulfillment and you're going to be a successful entrepreneur. David, for people who want to learn more about you and follow all of your work, where do you suggest we go? Sure. There's, there's two places I would point them. First and foremost is, I think my work speaks for itself. Again, I'm so proud of Deep Sentinel. The first place I would send people is to Deep Sentinel's YouTube channel. We produce a video about every week of our best crime stops. Just It's like cops. For those of you that watch that, you, you, just, you like this feeling of, I'm getting back to the bad guys. And if you are interested in that at all, we produce a video every single week. It's just hard hitting, stop crime, stop crime, stop crime, stop crime. And that's Deep Sentinel, D-E-E-P-S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L. Check out our YouTube station. Then the second place, if you're interested in kind of more of my entrepreneurial journey, I publish posts about once a month or so. I'm, I'm working on stepping that up on my LinkedIn profile. And you can follow me on LinkedIn. And, uh, and, and that's where I post a lot of my thoughts on business and entrepreneurship. Breakthrough Success listeners, we will have those links in the show notes. Make sure you go to David's LinkedIn for personal posts where we get to get even a deeper insight into his journey, into everything he's doing. And we'll have Deep Sentinel there as well. Thank you so much for joining us on Breakthrough Success, David. It was a pleasure to have you here today. Mark, it was great to be here. Thank you so much.